G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. For you and I to experience God, He's got to strip us of all the things we depend on so that the only thing that's left is God. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill and today we're continuing on with the message from Psalm 63. We're finishing the message and concluding our series about being a fully devoted Christ follower. Pastor Jeff is using this example in Psalm 63 to show how to truly meet with God and pursue God daily, as David did. Let's hear from Pastor Jeff now on Today with Jeff Bynes. Now, what was it about David's heart? The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Now, do you remember the phrase, the apple of one's eye? It was used in biblical literature. Plato, Aristotle used it. Do you know what it really is? Literally translated out of Hebrew, it means the little man in the mirror. Because when you stand so close to somebody, you can actually see your reflection in their eyes. Did you know that? David, to be called a man after God's own heart, meant that David was so close to God, he could hear God's heart beat. David wanted to be so close to God that he could see his reflection in his eye, that their hearts were so close that they could feel each other's heart beat. Intimacy and closeness. David learned something, though, that he shares in Psalm, and that David pursued God not because of the byproducts he could get from God, but he pursued God for the sake of God alone. He wanted not what God could give him, but he wanted to know God. He loved God so much that he knew God's love was better than anything. That if he could just have community and fellowship and closeness with God, this would be all he needed in his life. Now, to give you a couple of examples of that, do you remember what David did when the Ark of the Covenant was brought back to Jerusalem? You Bible scholars, what did David do? He danced. I mean, he not only danced, he took his clothes off and danced. He stripped down to his skivvies and he danced in the street. And the Bible says he danced with all his might, which is a Hebrew way of saying he just let go everything. I mean, this would have been amazing too because he's Hebrew and Hebrews have no timing. I mean, they don't. They have no rhythm. So this would have looked quite silly to the rest of us. And he, he doesn't care. There's a reckless abandonment. He's so happy. God has come back to town. Because the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. God is in the house. There's nothing better. Woo, God is here. I'm just going to dance and make a fool out of myself and I don't care. And his wife calls him on it. She says, 
how the king distinguished himself today, disrobing in front of the slave girls. And David's response was classic. He said, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. He says, sweetheart, I love God. And if it means I got to make a fool out of myself, I don't care. I want the world to know I want God more than anything else. So David pursued God for the sake of God, not what he could get from him. Later on, David's commanded to build an altar to God. And when you build an altar to God and make a sacrifice, it's expensive. So a friend of David says, David, just take my threshing floor and take my oxen for a sacrifice and my wood for fuel for the fire. Then it won't cost you anything and you can make the sacrifice. And David responds by saying, I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which costs me nothing. Now you've heard of impulse buying, right? You don't ever go out and buy just because you're depressed? You don't ever go on Yahoo and do some shopping? You don't ever go on the internet and see if you can bid on something just because you're depressed? How do you think I know you do that? Because I do it too. Well, this is not impulse buying. This is impulse giving. David just loved to give presents to God because he loved them. Guys, you know what that's like. You did it. You bought presents just for the sake of, of your love for her. There, you know, I would buy Robin roses and candy and movie passes and whatever, just shower her with gifts on no occasion, but just because I loved her. It's impulse giving. David was like that with God. Anytime he could sacrifice or give something to God that cost him something, he gave it because he loved God. Now, I'm not saying that David did not start out like most of us do. And I'm not saying it's wrong to start out like that. But if you want to experience God, you've got to move past going after God for what he can give you to pursuing God for God's own sake. I think there were times when David would have said, God, if you love me, protect me from King Saul. God, if you love me, don't let my child die. God, if you love me, give me a good life. But somewhere along the line, David realized something and it became the motto, so to speak, for the church. In verse three, he says, your love is better than life. He says, God, if I have you and I sense your presence in my life every day, that's better. That's a better feeling and experience than anything the world could ever give. If I have you, I don't need anything else in my life. Jonathan Edwards, the 17th century preacher said, the mark of authentic spiritual experience is that you become satisfied with God for who he is and not just for the benefits he gives you. Now, let me bring this together. You stay with me. You've done well. You've done well. The way you know, listen, the way you know that you've met the real God is that you hunger and thirst after him. If you don't hunger and thirst after God, you've not met the real God. If you hunger and thirst a little bit after God, then you've kind of, sort of met God. If you have no hunger and thirst after God whatsoever, you've not met the real God. Is that a judgment call? No, because the Bible says when you meet the real God and you surrendered to him in covenant relationship, that you became a partaker of the divine nature and the divine nature in you gives you that passion for God. You see how good news this is? This is wonderful news because if you're sitting there right now and you're saying to yourself, Pastor Jeff, this is hard. I wish I experienced God the way you're talking about experiencing God. Do you know what that's a sign of? You've been touched by the real God. But if you're sitting there thinking, man, when is this over? I, experiencing God? What are you kidding me? Oh, come on. There's no passion in you to experience God because you've not met the real God yet. 
In fact, I'll go even beyond that. David says in verse 2, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. David says, I long for God to such a degree. I feel like I'm in the desert and there's no, there's no water and I'm thirsty and there's nothing that will satisfy other than God. The dispa- listen, the dissatisfaction of God's absence is proof that he's touched you. As a matter of fact, a sense of his absence is a sense of his presence. Do you get that? If you say, man, I, I, I feel that, man, I'm just absent from God. That's proof that he's near. Because if you wasn't near and you had not met the real God, you would not be dissatisfied that you don't feel closer to God. The deeper his absence, the greater his presence. In those seasons in your life when you feel like, man, I really do not feel close to God and it bothers me, that's proof that God is near. I can't tell you always what he's doing in your life at that moment. But the only time you should fear is that when you feel absent and you don't care. In actuality, that's even an oxymoron because you wouldn't feel absent if you didn't care. You'd feel nothing. The reality that you feel absent, that you feel that, you feel that you're not experiencing God the way you want to, is proof that God has touched you and is doing something. However, you can't stop there. Until you enter into a covenant relationship with God, until you've said to God, here I am, you've got all of me, you can't experience God. Not the way you want to experience him. When you do enter into the covenant relationship and you meet the real God, the automatic result is you'll have a passion to experience him the way you want to experience him. But there's a third aspect that brings it all home. Only when you and I begin to get rid of those things that we want more than God, we'll begin to experience God the way he was meant to be experienced. And that's why David in this psalm, and the reason it became so famous, was able to say this, God's love is better than life. God's love is better than life. Stay with me. When my parents died, my mom and dad, when they were both gone, you know, I I told you, I am going to be transparent and I'm going to tell you what is on my heart and what I'm thinking. That's the only way we can grow together. When both my parents were gone, it forced me into something that I had never experienced before. And I've been a preacher for 26 years. And it forced me to ask this question. God, who are you? I mean, who are you really? God, I, I feel like I can't trust you. I have no sense of belonging. My mom and my dad are both gone. Friends my age now are dying. I don't feel safe and secure, and you promised me I'd feel safe and secure. I don't feel at peace, and you said I would have a peace. For the first time in my life, first time in my entire life, I asked God, God, who are you really? I would like to see you. I need somebody in my life that won't leave me. I need something that's eternal that I can count on to be here forever because everything else around me is fading away. Now, does that prayer to God sound familiar to anybody of the Old Testament? Moses had led the children of Israel through the Red Sea, had seen the power of God demonstrated before his very eyes. 
He had encountered God in the wonderful experience of the burning bush. And it's still Moses who says, God's not enough. Those things fade. Show me your glory. I want to see who you really are so that I can know that you're eternal, that you will never fade, and that my hope is ultimately in you. And God placed Moses in the cleft of the rock and passed by, and it changed Moses. For you and I to experience God, he's got to strip us of all the things we depend on. He's got to strip us of everything that we hope in so that the only thing that's left is God and we'll turn to him. And rather than pursuing God for the byproducts, we will begin to pursue God for the sake of God himself. Now, do you know what that means? That's not really that good news, is it? Because for God and most of us, it's going to take most of our lives to do that. And we're going to really fight because we're not really truly convinced that God is all we need. So we're going to fight to let go of those things. But now here's the good news, and it's why, again, this psalm became so famous. David says something. David says that while we're waiting on God to strip us of those things and while we live out our lives, we can experience God right now. And those experiences can grow one on top of the other. And we can get to know God in a way that he seeks to be known. And here's how you do it. In verse 5, David says, My soul shall satisfy, be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. And we might ask, when will we do that? And David says, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Because you've been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand holds me up. What on earth is David saying? He's saying that I can be satisfied and I can experience God in the way I want to experience God at those times when I remember God on my bed and I meditate on you in the watches of the night. Here's our first, first clue. If I am willing to discipline myself to quiet times away from the busy world and meditate on the word of God, it will build up over time and I will begin to experience God. What we want to do is experience God without the discipline. That would be like saying, I want to experience my wife without ever talking to her. And every wife will tell you that the word love is spelled T-I-M-E, time. Now let me show you how this happens. This past week, I was invited over to APU to speak at Brain Awareness Week, which was incredible for me because most people think pastors don't have brains. <laughs> and so it was me and two neuroscientists and the head of the theology department. We sat on the panel and the questions started to come. Now, here's the big struggle that we're having right now. I said, Man, just stay with me here. This will turn the light on for you. There's a struggle right now between science and faith. For me, I see no struggle because I believe the more you learn about yourself and the world, the more you learn about God because he made both. The science and faith can be harmonized. There are people, when it comes to mental illness, like anxiety disorder, but here's what I learned. It's not science or faith. It's both, because ultimately, it's only God who will heal you. 
The medicine is a gift, but the medicine was able to quieten me down so that I could think. And as I began to think, it dawned on me that I have made a serious error in my life, and it's that I have not memorized enough Scripture. And because I have not memorized enough Scripture, I am not experiencing God the way I am meant to experience Him. And what is worse, when difficult times come in my life, the Holy Spirit of God, the divine nature in me, does not have any ammunition to fire at these things that I'm trying to conquer to give me victory. And after I was settled down, I started memorizing scripture like, don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God and the peace of God that, oh, that it surpasses all understanding will rule your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I started to memorize scripture so that when the anxiety attacks come, and they're real, it's a mental illness. It's not because I'm nervous. It's not because I'm anxious. And those of you who don't have this, don't get it. It's the same way people who are depressed. They're not depressed because they're depressed. They're not sad about anything. It just happens and they can't explain it. That's why it's called mental illness. And they need some help. Don't be ashamed, man. Do not be ashamed. Jesus, when he returned and showed himself to Thomas, what did he say to him? Touch the wounds. If Jesus is not afraid to expose his wounds, neither should you. And the psalmist says, healing, I will heal everything by my word. I realized I did not have enough of the word of God in me to experience God, for God to be able to speak to me through his word. The Bible says the word, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh. The more you learn of scripture and the more you get alone, to get the Bible, the words into your life, then the more ammunition the Spirit of God can activate to give you the right word, the right time, the right place for victory. If you want to experience God, you must allow God to communicate to you and you with him. And there is no shortcut. The only way to do it is through solitude and scripture. David said, early in the morning will I rise up and seek you that I pant for your word, God, to hear from you, to hear your voice. And David started what is called the divine romance. In the same way you would date, I dated Robin before the marriage, there's a sense in which we date God. We get to know him. And the covenant of marriage comes and we begin to experience through solitude and quietness and scripture. Why don't we get this? I'll tell you why because we're distracted by so many other noises and things. And that's why my African pastors, it took me forever. Why do my African pastors get this? Why would they dance before God? Why do they know God? Why do they know the scripture so well? Why are they so poor compared to the world standards and yet they're the happiest people on the planet? It's because they've discovered that God's love is better than life. But we in America are so distracted other things. All I'm saying, if you're not experiencing God, do not blame God. He still loves you and you'll still go to heaven by the grace of God. But if you want to experience God in the way you truly want to experience him, there's no shortcut. You have to enter into the covenant. You have to seek him for the sake of who he is, not what he can give you. And the word has to become a reality in your life. And when it does, 
There won't be a day go by that you don't experience God. Not one single day. Because you'll have so much of the word of God in you that the divine romance will be powerful and effective and you'll never be the same. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for your goodness to us. And I pray right now in Jesus' name that our eyes would be open to experiencing you is not only a possibility, but a strong reality. That for those who would seek you and seek you with all of their hearts, they will find you. For those who will quieten their souls, who will step away from the hustle and bustle of everyday life and engage in conversation and reading and meditation of your word. Father, I pray that at the very least, that every person in this room right now would go out here with a passion to read through the book of Psalms, to read the things that David wrote from the inside out about his experiences with you, and that we then might have an inside out experience. I pray at the least we would commit to read through the Psalms at our workplaces and our homes. And at the very most that we'd be so motivated to experience you that we would engage and engage and our lives would change. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's the end of Experiencing God from Psalm chapter 63 here on Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining me for this message and for our series on being a fully devoted Christ follower. Join me next time to hear a new message from Pastor Jeff. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.